Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is Monday, January the 11th, 2021. This is episode 2802, and we're going to move right into the main topic today, because I think this is a really important show, and I've been hearing a lot from a lot of you guys on what's gone on over the weekend, um, with basically the demise of Parler. And whether it's actually a demise or not has yet to be seen. When I tell you about what happened, I'll tell you why it might be worse for them than you imagine. And I'm hearing from a lot of people that are really pissed off about this that weren't like, you know, dedicated power users on Parler. Maybe they didn't even have a Parler account. But what happened troubles them. And if you don't know what happened, I'll, I'll explain it. Um, every person that's not living under a rock right now knows that the big tech companies have been working together to silence people and to purge the things that they don't like. And I I am hoping against hope right now that the people who this has generally been going their way, that even some of them are starting to go, wait a minute, this is this is not right. Now the complete died in the wool libtard idiots like I, as I told you, there's people that I've written off. And it doesn't mean the person's irredeemable. I don't believe that anybody's ever completely irredeemable. But I feel they are so wrapped into the matrix that the things that I do to help people are beyond them for now. That you have to, you have to begin to decouple to a certain point from the matrix metaphorically before anybody can help you. Before anybody can even offer you the choice of the blue pill or the red pill, right? Morpheus didn't didn't go to Neo, right? Initially, um, just because he was Neo, right? It was when he got to a certain point in his mental evolution of questioning things that that the red blue blue pill blue pill choice showed up. So, I, I do think there's people that can't be reached right now. I don't want to say redeemed, right? Because I just don't think that's that's right. But you you can't spend time time trying to unplug them right now. They're not ready. They don't want to be. But I think there's a lot of people who even are of the more left of center persuasion that are not going to be okay with what just went on. But before I get into exactly what happened, it, it what happened and how bad the situation for them is, I want to start out with a quote of the day. And I almost used this quote couple dozen times at least in 2020 and I held off because I knew something like this was coming I've been waiting to use this quote for almost a year and today is the day George R.R. R. Martin when you tear out a man's tongue you are not proving him a liar you are only telling the world that you fear what he might say it's exactly what's happening right now and that quote is so powerful, I don't need to elaborate on it. When you tear out a man's tongue, you are not proving him a liar. You are only telling the world that you fear what he might say. And that's exactly what happens when you completely deplatform somebody, when you silence them, when you shut them up. Everybody's upset because you know Twitter canceled Trump's account permanently or whatever. I, I think that's wrong. 
But I'm not real concerned about Donald Trump not having a voice, because Donald Trump has a voice. He's president of the freaking United States. And even when he's no longer president in a couple of weeks, which is going to happen, and you people that are holding on to hopium, you need to stop, right? He's going to sign it. We'll get into that in a second, right? That's not happening. It's done. But even when he's done, he's a, he's a multi-billionaire. If he wants to be heard, he's going to be heard. It is silencing the people who otherwise do not have a voice that really bothers me. Or destroying an entire company because you don't like that they allow people to have a voice, which is what's happened with Parler. So let's explain what happened with Parler all in rapid succession. Too rapid of a succession of events to not have been coordinated. Which to me makes it it makes it like antitrust, racketeering, like there should be ambulance chasing type lawyers salvolating to represent Parler right now. But it may not be happening because wait till I tell you how bad this really is. So what it started out with is Google um, delisted the Parler app from the Google Play Store, which is not really that big a deal because if you're using Android and you want an app, you don't need it to be in the Google Play Store to get it. So people still had it away. Then Apple, you know, quote-unquote, warned them that they needed a moderation policy because they had to stop, like, hate speech and shit like that. And they already have that policy. You can't do hate speech, true hate speech on Parler. Like, it is not completely unmoderated. They don't allow calls for violence. They have a very clear terms of service. And it was all bullshit. And then Apple announced they were removing them from the Apple App Store, which really hurts because, you know, like half of all users are Apple people. They have iPhones, which I do as well for now. And um, that's really hard. You got to get into like jailbreaking your phone and all to be able to use apps that are not in the uh, in the app stable on, on the Apple Store. But then Saturday, the folks over at Parler got a notice from Amazon Web Services that says, hey, because you guys are responsible for you know the attempted coup on our government, is the way that this whole stupidity is being phrased now, right? It's sedition, it's a coup. Like, yeah, like a guy in a freaking, you know, Viking suit that looks like he's, I don't know, a gay dude at some sort of function uh, is, is, is representative of taking down the entire government or whatever. It's just stupid. Uh, but since you guys are responsible for it, like you guys are, everything was coordinated on Parler, which there's been no evidence of that whatsoever presented, no screenshots, no nothing. We we can't be part of that, so we are we are terminating your agreement as of midnight on Sunday. So you're talking like 18 hours or ish of notice, maybe 20 hours of notice, something like that, a day and a half, so 36 hours, whatever it was. This is bad. This is really bad. Well. Parler basically said, hey, this sucks. We've got plenty of like web hosts that want our very expensive account, and we're working with them now, and maybe we'll be gone a week, but we should be back. Unfortunately, John Mates um, then put out something late on Sunday that said they may be done. They might not be coming back. Because every single vendor they had relationships with abandoned them. Like email providers, everybody said, well, if, if Google and, 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 and Apple won't touch you, then we can't be, we, we have to go too. And even all their own attorneys quit and walked away from them. This is insane. And this shows you the power that these companies have. 
And I'm going to tell you the biggest thing we've learned from it going forward. If you are going to be a dissenter, if you are going to be someone who is going to stand up and say, I am challenging the status quo, I am going to speak powerfully, freely, and passionately, and I'm going to empower others to do so, you can't use their services to do this anymore. You have to start creating an entire new world. And we need to start working as much as possible in the decentralized space of blockchain technology. And I, and I want you to just think about it this way, and we'll go more into this here in a minute, but if the government could have thrown a switch and turned off Bitcoin when it started, they'd have done it. I don't think that anybody out there doubts that. that the government does not like cryptocurrency. They don't want it to exist. It is a challenge to who and what they are. It is what has been traditionally the ultimate power of the state, the power of the creation and management of the monetary supply itself, and for, a, for completely private markets to be able to create valid currency that only, not only works, but works better than the state's currency, to, to the state is an abomination. It's worse, it's way worse than some lunatics going into the Capitol building. Which, by the way, the left's lunatics went into the Capitol building during the Kavanaugh protests, and nobody had a friggin' meltdown about that. Understand, the reason for the meltdown is because the timing is perfect, and they can. They're like sharks with blood in the water. That's what's going on there. But if, if we go back to the cryptocurrency thing, if the government could have flipped the switch and made it go away, they would have. They can't. Because it's decentralized. Because there's not an Amazon Web Services, you know, like analog to Bitcoin. There are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of nodes running Bitcoin. And I've even been asked, like, but what if they did a DDoS attack on, like, the biggest server farms that, that do Bitcoin? Okay, well, then it would still work. There might be some interruptions in it or whatever, but it would still work. And what would happen is the difficulty in the algorithms for verifying transactions and mining would adjust down until more computers were on the network. So it's not that simple because that was like the one thing I was asked. It was like, yeah, you know, you're thinking and you're, you're not wrong that it would be a problem, but you really have to understand how decentralized something like Bitcoin is and how decentralized all these blockchains are. So, The big mistake that Parler made, the first mistake, was, number one, for a hosting provider going to one of the primary companies within the technocracy of oligarchs, right? Amazon. For Amazon Web Services. That was a mistake. Now, I can understand why they did it anyway, why they didn't probably think it was a mistake when they did it. But, okay, we know, 2020, it's a mistake, right? If they had been using some hosting provider, you know, in, in some other country or something like that, that was at least headquarters, they, they wouldn't even, this wouldn't even be an issue. Like, you'd still have hosting. But even with that, you can see how, this. I guess this is what you have to understand. So to run the Survival Podcast, I have uh, basically a bare metal server that sits in a co-location facility somewhere. It's one machine runs my whole empire. And 
if I were threatened with, hey, you have to take this all down, it's all backed up, it could all go somewhere else, and just another machine just like it could be switched on and we could start running again. And, and we're a pretty big thing. You know, we have a, a very large audience. We have a tremendous number of daily sessions and downloads and stuff like that. But it still can all be done with one really robust server. And it's expensive. I mean, guys, it's expensive to run this show. It really is. And that, that, that's not a complaint. It's just a statement. When you're running something like Parler with millions of users and billions of functions a week, Because everything that everybody does is a function that the server has, the server farm in this case has to deal with. You can't just move it the way that you could move TSP. When we moved the TSP server to a new server, it took us about a week. Recently, we did an upgrade on the server, and it took us about a week to, to execute. Additionally, if you're running a parlor or a MeWe or something like that. You can't just go buy a couple boxes, even several boxes in load share, and make this work. You have to have a sizable service provider to make it work. And there's only so many of those available. And if you're using any of them and your enemies decide they want you to go away, well, they can leverage all that they have from a propaganda standpoint against that host to where it would just be easier not to have you. So the only solution going forward is a decentralized social networking system. That doesn't mean I'm going to get off MeWe because they're not decentralized. But it does mean that anything I do going forward where I really put effort into it, it better be decentralized or I'm not going there. There's just flat out too much risk of something like this happening. All right, so let's, let's move on from there. I want to really get the solutions, but I also want to talk about some things that people have got to stop doing that are not directly tech or social media related. And there's two drugs. I call them drugs. It's a metaphor. They've been around a long time. But I think 2020 is, is not really an epidemic in, in COVID. It's an epidemic in these two drugs. And those two drugs are hopium and icantium. And I'm not going to really say much about Icantium today, but you, you can imagine what I mean by Icantium. Oh, I can't do it. It's impossible. All the crap we've been dealing with with Miyagi mornings that I've been talking about, you know, getting some land and, you know, getting out on your own. And like, you're too blessed. You don't understand how hard it is. Like, that's Icantium. That's somebody's mainlining, freebasing Icantium. Hopium is this belief that someone else will fix it for you. Like I said, I think that what just happened to Parler is is going to see antitrust and racketeering actions. I, I really do. Whether they're civil, criminal, or both, I don't know. But there will be something to come from it. Um, whether or not it'll go anywhere, because the freaking state is part of the criminal cabal that is doing all this, I don't know. We will see. Um, but there is a, there's definitely... I, I can tell you that just looking at it even as a layman, There's clearly illegal activity that occurred in doing this. When you have, you can't have multiple companies coordinating together to get rid of a competitor, a common competitor under U.S. law. That's not legal. But hopium is that well, they'll fix it, and it'll all get better again. The very people that have caused all these problems are going to fix it for you. Okay, that's hopium. 
This I, I keep seeing people in social media, the, the Q-tards and such, talking about how Trump, Trump has signed the ele- insurrection act. Just wait until inauguration day. That's when everybody's going to get arrested. Hopium. And anything like that, any belief that you have that this problem is going to somehow be fixed by anybody in power. Maybe it's going to take two years until we get to vote harder again and we, we, we get a Republican House and a Republican Senate and we impeach Biden or whatever it is. This is all hopium. No one's going to fix this shit for you. There's plenty of people that will help you fix your shit. There's plenty of opportunity to network and get together. If, if there wasn't, we wouldn't be talking about social media at all. The only point of social media to me is so that we can communicate with each other and build our relationships and, and learn from each other and empower each other. That's the only reason there's that's the only reason to invest any time and effort in it. If you just want to like hear things that make you mad, turn your TV on, turn your radio on. If you actually want to communicate with other people, that's where the internet comes in, and we'll talk more about that in a bit. But what you got to realize is number one, you let go of the two drugs, Icantium and Hopium, you can do something, and you can't hope that someone will do it for you. And then you have to realize, and I've heard this word thrown at me a few times today in emails, and you're absolutely right, those of you who have emailed me about it, this is a war. This is a declaration of war. This is a declaration of war. What this tells me is the state and the technocracy and the oligarchy feel that they are at a perfect point where they can throw the final switch and declare war on everybody that thinks for themselves and wants something different than this cabal wants combined. This is a war. It doesn't look like what you think of as a war because they're not shooting people yet anyway. There's no tanks and bombs involved. This is a war, though. It's a war on our way of life. And it, it is bigger than just this particular component that just occurred and silencing people in social media and things like that. It's, it, it, and it's, it's interwoven with the entire you know COVID pandemic bullshit. We've had doctors since day one coming out saying, look, here's valid treatment options. And you have tech, technology companies like Google and Facebook and Twitter saying that's dangerous disinformation. Silencing, you have non-medical professionals silencing medical professionals under the, the auspices of saying it's unscientific and misinformation. This is a war. This is a war. This is when you tear out a man's tongue, you are not proving him a liar. You are only telling the, word that you, the world that you fear what he might say. If you could prove these people wrong, you would. If any of this information coming from the dissenting class was easily disproved, they would just do it. They would say, here's why you're wrong. Here's facts. Here's logic. Here's reason. Here's counter-argument. We would have healthy, robust, open public debate. That's how things are done in a free society. The day that became impossible to do, when you were either silenced or ignored... And you were ignored only up until people started to listen to you, and then you were silenced. War was declared. But this is like, it's like a war was declared, but now bombs have been dropped. You have to start thinking about it that way. And when you do, then you can start to realize there's four primary ways you win a war. There's other things you can do, but there's four primary things. And if you can do all of these reasonably well, 
you will win any war that you're ever in, whether it's a shooting war, an information war, it doesn't matter. The first one is starve your enemy. This is the, the, the primary means by which wars have been won throughout history. If you can cut off the enemy's supply lines and take away the enemy's ability to produce the things that they need to survive, eventually they'll surrender. It's, it's basic denial of resources. So in a conventional war, like let's say the war against the North and the South during the American Civil War, or the war between the states, which is far more accurate, the primary tactic initially and throughout the entire war of the North was cutting off supplies to the South. And it's, it's more a reason that they won, that the North won, than, than I think we generally learn in history. Yes, there were battles. Some of them were decisive. Yes, there were times when the South, if things went a little differently, may have actually won the war. But really, completely overwhelmed the South was how scarce simple things like their food got. And this came from cutting off shipping, cutting off rail, burning fields, etc., But you, you have to starve the enemy. Now, as I'm saying this, you need to understand two sides of it. One, this is what you must do to win. And two, this is what you must not be allowed to be done to you. So if you think about denial of resources, there's been a lot of that that's gone on just by shutting down mom-and-pop stores, telling us we have to stay home, etc. So we have to be able to feed ourselves so we don't starve. Literally and metaphorically both. And... We're probably not going to starve them, other than if you're still part of their cabal, you need to walk away as much as you can. And it's not always easy and clean. And I'm going to, I'm going to talk about the elephant in the room toward the end. I'm going to talk about my relationship with Google through YouTube and my relationship with Amazon as an affiliate and tell you that it's, it's probably not going to make everybody exactly happy what I'm going to do and how I'm going to handle it. But I can't be emotional in this decision. I have to be rational. But in any place that it's easy, deny the enemy your time, your talent, and your ability to make them money. Number two, exceed or disable their technology. This is flat out, and there's, there's different ways this can, can happen. So a really technologically advanced enemy is hard to defeat unless you can, unless they become so technologically dependent, and then you could somehow disable that technology then they're screwed then they can't you know they can't fight really well against a bunch of guys with like freaking battle axes and swords and shit if you just say if they're all using some sort of like technological weaponry and you render it inert so you either exceed or you disable their technology and this is what they just did to parlor they disabled their technology in the end their technology wasn't all their code that they wrote It was the underlying technology that drove their website. So they just turned it off. So what technology do we have available to us? And the technology that we have available to us is cryptocurrency, cryptography as a whole, and blockchain. That's what we have. We have to exceed their technology. I've, I've had plenty of people, the new world order wants digital cash, and now you're using Bitcoin. That's no, listen, guys, man, you've got to understand this. In a war, you either develop counter technology to the enemy's advances, and that means you're always playing catch-up, or you innovate the new technology that renders the old technology weak. That's what Bitcoin was, and Bitcoin was 
crypto 1.0, and we're at like crypto 5.0 at this point. When you look at something like Pirate Chain, a completely private digital currency that's very fast and has low fees, that are almost they're almost irrelevant to it. Like it is a Ferrari, and Bitcoin was like a really nice pickup truck. So we have crypto technology, but we, what's more important is the blockchain behind the crypto and what that can be done with. What can be done with that? We have that technology, and we need to use it. So not only do we need to do business with each other in cryptocurrencies, we need to share information utilizing blockchain. Like I said, if they could take down these blockchains, they would have done it already. It's something that's very difficult to deal with because you're talking about millions of, of nodes, which are just computers running systems across the whole world. And so we need to be putting our data onto blockchains. Like with video, that's why I love library slash odyssey because it's a blockchain. You're not taking my videos down because it's a blockchain. You want to take my videos down? Go ahead. I'll wait. So we need to use that technology, and that needs that renders their centralized technology disabled. Because that's why they have power. If you take and put all of this content in one place, then all you have to do is take out that one place. The reason you can't stop Bitcoin, just for an example, right? And it's just I'm using that because it's the biggest one, and most people know it. There's no place where there's like this giant building with a big orange B decal up on, or sign up on the roof. And you can send like a Predator drone in and blow it up and kill the CEO of Bitcoin and all of the technology and servers of Bitcoin, and it's all gone. It doesn't work that way. It's decentralized. That's the point. There is no place that it's all together. Next, tactic three, you force the enemy to fight on your terms. You see, here's an example of what I'm talking about. You see like, I, I call them like publicity stunts for individual martial arts. You take some woman that's like at the absolute top of her game, right? She's like 140 pounds and fit, and that's going to be a very well-built woman. That's going to be somebody with a lot of muscle. And she's like, you know, been in Brazilian jiu-jitsu for like 15 or 20 years. She's like a blue belt or even a black belt in BJJ. And then you get this big guy who's never wrestled, has no experience in judo, jiu-jitsu, anything like that, who is like a football player. And you give him about three seconds of instructions as to the rules with Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And then you put those two people on a mat together and say, like, here's the things you're not allowed to do. And then she wraps him up and submits him or something right away. Why? He played her game. Now, you know, if this guy's like a 240-pound linebacker and the guy just came out and backhanded her in the head, he'd probably dislocate her neck and kill her. But he was lured in to playing the, the other opponent's game that they're better at. If we try to fight this enemy on their own systems and in their own way through the things that have become the norm, the things that they control... If you're going to try, try to fight Facebook on Facebook or with Facebook-like technology, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. Because sooner or later, they will strike at the root. They will strike at the source. So the source has to not be there. So this combines using 
the decentralized technology, but we also have to force them to fight us versus us going to them. We need to be vocal and loud and everywhere so that there's not one, a leaderless movement. The fourth tactic, you weaken the enemy and his support with false information. We call that propaganda. And that's what's going on right now. Here's an example with Parler. I've seen this a few times. Would you know that Parler was hacked and everybody's personal information, like their driver's licenses, were stolen? Because Gizmodo says so. Gizmodo could shove it up their ass. This is not true, because it can't be. Because I tell you, I'm telling you I have first-hand knowledge of this. I have direct communications with John Matz, uh, Mays, Matz, however the hell you say his name, uh, who's the founder of Parler, that if you got verified, because that would only affect, first of all, verified Parler users. But if you got verified, that means you showed your ID. That's how they verified. You're, you're really who you say you are. How else would you verify something? Well, as soon as that was done, it's destroyed. They don't keep it. There's no place to go get it. Now, could Parler rely on? Sure, but I believe Parler over freaking Gizmodo and the people that are behind all this attack on Parler. Number two, the only proof that any kind of hack ever happened were screenshots of supposedly Parler's back end, like, ha, 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 look, we got in. Well, the problem is the people that did that were not very sophisticated, certainly not sophisticated enough to hack into the back end of Parler, because what they did is they did some mock-up stuff that made it look like it was Parler's back end, but the mock-up was the back end of a WordPress-driven website. Well, if Parler was built on WordPress, you'd be able to tell, and it's not. It's not a WordPress-driven website. That's an example of misinformation. So then people believe that, and oh, well, then they're not safe. And there's so much of that. Propaganda would be all of the, um, all of the riot was planned on Parler. Zero proof of that, but enough people say it, then people believe it. And that was, you know, hydroxychloroquine is a very dangerous drug. People believed it. It's misinformation. It's not a dangerous drug. It's an incredibly safe drug. In most of the world, it's available over the counter. How dangerous can it be? When I was deployed to Honduras, I took it for six months just to prevent malaria. So did 500 other guys around me. Nothing happened to anybody. Department of Veteran Affairs issues over 60,000 doses of hydroxychloroquine a day to treat illnesses like um, uh, arthritis. Rheumatoid arthritis is, 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 is treated. Uh, lupus is treated with, with this drug. Millions of people use it every day. Far more so than would be used to treat COVID if necessary. But they said it was dangerous. That's misinformation. Now, I don't think that we should be in the misinformation business. I think it gets used against you as much as it gets used uh, by you. And I think that the problem with with using false information in a public forum when you're the guerrilla warrior is that the enemy already has by the the mass of the population which is the, the hearts and minds you're trying to win over already has the benefit of the doubt you're already the crazy tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist you have to be factual you have to fact check your stuff so The problem with using false information from our end is that when it's pointed out, it will be believed that it was false, and when it's seen that it's false, it will hurt us. With them, we have to point it out over and over and over again to get one person to believe it. 
But that means that we need to understand that we're being used as, they're trying to use you as their own controlled, is basically a controlled opposition that doesn't know they're a controlled opposition. So the way you would do this in the modern age, and this is what they're doing to you, they're using, they're using propaganda against you even though it's your, you think it's your propaganda. So you start a rumor or you put out some information that would seem like it would be beneficial to, you know, one of, I hate putting it this way, but our side, right? The side of those who, who want to push back against these people. Uh, and, and some subgroups of that, because I don't consider myself a, a Trump supporter. I don't consider myself somebody that believes in all of that shit, but... Even I, if you could show me Nancy Pelosi in a prison cell in an orange jumpsuit, I'd be pretty happy about it. Um, but so they'll say something like, you know, Trump has signed the Insurrection Act, which is the, the most retarded way to phrase that that there ever could possibly be. Um, it just, that's not, that's just stupid. Anyway, um, and then a bunch of people are going to get arrested on the 20th, right? That, that's when everything, that, that's like the, the last hope of the QAnon tards, right? And so they'll put out this thing, and it, maybe even they'll make a meme, or they'll they'll you know say so and so will set it on Twitter, and all of a sudden, millions of versions of it have been spun out by people that think they're helping but they're not, and then you look stupid, and this happens over and over again, way 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 back years and years ago. I'm talking like eight years ago, I guess now. When the Food Safety and Modernization Act was, was, was coming out, um, and it was a terrible piece of legislation, but the claim was it was going to make backyard gardens illegal. And I pleaded with this audience, stop saying this stupid shit, because actually fighting the actual bad legislation is becoming impossible because you've created the entire argument around a myth. It had nothing to do, it never did, it passed, it didn't affect your garden in any way, and it never was going to. But that's what you're, it's going to be illegal to save seeds and have a garden. Now, who do you think started that? Alex Jones sure beat that drum. Is he the controlled opposition in the works? I don't know. But I don't, you know, I, I, I would tell you that I think maybe... Practically, may, maybe is it, it probably people that worked for companies like Monsanto that were paid trolls did this. I'm going to tell you that I think almost half of everything said online is by somebody being paid to say it. Now, I didn't say half of all the people online saying things. But if you, if you go to any platform, you'll find that the speech is dominated by a relatively small number of the total number of users of the platform. Most people are looky-loose. They very rarely engage in the conversation. And some people engage a little bit, but the, there's power users on any platform. It's always been the case. Way back to like when it was a big deal to be dug on dig. They, there was somebody that did an article that showed that was like 80% of what happened on dig was controlled by about 10% of dig users just because they were more active. Now, who's going to be more active? A person that actually has a job to do that's not on social media or a person that's paid to do nothing but monitor social media and make claims and comments and create multiple accounts and have conversations with themselves. That's the level we're dealing with with false information and propaganda here. So please, I'm begging you, stop sharing shit without fact-checking it first. And I know fact-checking has become a bad word. That's You see, disinformation. So if you're fact-checking something, clearly you're one of the Facebook libtards. No, 
Don't let them ruin perfectly good words here. So just keep this in mind as we go through the rest of this today. You starve the enemy by denying them resources. You exceed or disable their technology. You force the enemy to fight on your terms, and you weaken the enemy and his support with false information propaganda. So we can't effectively do all of those things to them, but we can prevent them from doing the ones that we can't really do to them. We can prevent them from doing them to us. So we're not going to work really good with propaganda, false information. We're going to have to use the truth, which is more powerful if you keep saying it long enough. But we don't have the size to do with a lie that they do. So we have to not be pulled into that. We have to not fight the enemy on their terms. They want to fight a propaganda war. They like that. Right? So we can force them to come to us and fight on our terms. We can exceed their technology. We already have. Blockchain cryptology exceeds their thing. And they can't starve us if we're willing to feed each other and ourselves. All right. So social media is important here, even if you don't think so. So I know some of you are like, you know, he's on social media again. I don't give a shit. I don't waste my time with that crap. This is like a person saying, I don't care that they shut down all the corner bars because I don't drink. And saying that, oh, I don't know, about like uh, 1765. Our nation was born in pubs in New England. Men sat around consuming cider and wine and brandy and beer and discussed the world affairs. They vented, they formed allegiances and alliances with each other, and we became the insurrectionists that fought a revolution to become the United States of America in pubs and churches, to be fair. It's an odd mix, isn't it? But it's true. Today, social media has become the dominant form and means by which people communicate with each other. They always talk about well, that's where people get their news from. That's where they get their information from. That's not the important thing. That's not the important thing. The important thing is that you and a friend can discuss things. Not only this is what happened, but what do we do about it? So even if you're not the one using that means of communications, it's still important. Please understand that. Going forward, these are some of the technological steps that we need to take. One, I think we need to be, if we're going to use social media, we need to be focusing on blockchain. Two, I'm on that are a blockchain already. One is Odyssey. I've talked about that a long time. I love Odyssey. It's become an incredible communications platform for me with my video content. And I keep adding more and more content to it that's not, I'm not putting on YouTube. I found like 15 old Bill Mollison videos of Bill Mollison teaching in a PDC, actually learning from the master himself. Old, old videos. They're like 320p because that's what, that's what it's in. It was from the ni like 1993. But all of that I have on my Odyssey channel and I have on a dedicated Bill Mollison channel. And that's there. No one can ever take it away now. No one can ever decide you, you don't need to know this. I've got a bunch of other really cool permaculture uh, content on there that's not mine. It's, it's third party. And that's on its own permaculture channel. Then I have all that's on my channel plus all my stuff. And knowing now that my 12 years of work on YouTube is safeguarded. I feel so good about that. Because when I became an Odyssey creator and a library creator, because library and Odyssey are the same thing, really, the last 900 of my YouTube videos were imported automatically. 
they're now on the library blockchain. And that means you can watch them at library.tv or odyssey.com, either way. And so when, not if, but when YouTube eventually decides that Jack Spirico's voice is just too dangerous and they delete my account, it will still be there. I will still be around. Hold on to that for the song of the day. I'm still around and around. Yeah, right? The next one is Float. Now, this is ironic because I just got on Float this morning. I ended up with like 200 followers, and now I cannot connect to Float. And uh, I'm sure people are already starting up the crap like, see, see, Big Tech got them too. Again, you got to stop this being subject to misinformation or creating your own misinformation. So I asked on MeWe, like, hey, is anybody else having this problem? And pretty much everybody said, yeah, it won't connect. Like, you can go to float.app. It's F-L-O-T-E dot A-P-P. You can go there. You can find the site. But when you log in, it won't connect to the stream. So somebody checked Facebook, and then I followed up and checked it myself for the Float Facebook page, because that happens to be the one that they're using to communicate with people. And they said, just basically, yeah, you too? Well, there's... Tons of new users. And even though it is a blockchain-based network, you know, it, they got overwhelmed. They need, they need to do some adjustments. So they, they expect to be, you know, back up and running soon. Um, so I guess that's where I want to make sure that you understand that just because something's blockchain doesn't mean it can't fail. What it means is it can't fail because somebody pulls the plug. Right? So we need to be building robust blockchains. Now, I said this morning when I put out some content about Float, I'm not saying Float's the promised land. I just decided that would be a good one to start with when Parler went away because so many people had told me about it and suggested that I get on it already anyway. And I guess many other people did as well. But we are going to have social media on blockchains that's going to be very robust. And there's, you know, there's mines. I know somebody says, mines! My problem with mines is when I got in there, like it was just a complete pain in the ass. And I believe that you need to make the entry thing for people good. And this is what sucks for a company like Float. So they're sitting there floating, right? And then this shit happens, and they get this influx of new users. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that will sign up for something like that. If it doesn't work right away, they'll throw their hands up you know, with condemnation and, and run away and say, ah, oh, it didn't work, and go back to you know, Mark Zuckercock over on Facebook, right? We need to stick to this, guys. When you're online browsing, you either need to be using a VPN or Tor. And I've said that before, and I, I, I got called out by somebody on social media, uh, Parler, ironically, someone I know and I have a lot of respect for. And he wasn't really calling me out, but it sounded like he was, and it made a good point anyway. Don't use a VPN and Tor. Use Tor or a VPN. And I want to also say something about the people that like want to find fault with everything, but they don't do anything to protect themselves at all. Like, so they're not using a VPN. They're not using Tor, but they're going to say, but the FBI compromised Tor. Sure, if you're being individually investigated, right? Yes, but if you're using Tor, you have a hell of a lot more privacy than if you're not. You can use the Tor browser. You can use the Brave browser, which I'll talk about in a second, with Tor built into it. Brave also has a VPN that, that you can use as well, but use one or the other. And that gives you more privacy. And God, we need more privacy, folks. And when it comes to browsers, you need to stop feeding the information to the people that are using the information against you. You know, I've talked about how only a fool sends his, 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 his child to his enemy to be educated. That's a Malcolm X quote. 
And that when you send your child to the state school system, you're letting your enemy. And I know it's hard to see a teacher as your enemy. And like I said, so if the teacher's not directly your enemy, they're still the agent of your enemy. Because they're an agent of the state. The teacher is an agent of the state. No, they're not. Okay, well, who pays them? Well, uh, we do. Okay. Do you pay your teacher directly? No, then you don't, you don't pay your teacher. The state does. They steal your money and use it to pay them. Sure. So the state pays them. Who sets their rules about what they can and can't teach? And Well, the state. Okay. Who sets the lesson plans? Well, the state. Okay, so they're an agent of the state, and the state is your enemy. So we wouldn't, if we have any choice, want our enemy educating our child, because then your child will eventually see you as the enemy. And if you've ever sent a child off to, like, college, and they've come back, and they hate you in some ways, and they hate your way of life, or they have condemnation for your way of life and your values, why do you think that happened? You sent them to your enemy to be educated. Well, just as you wouldn't send your child to the state to be educated if you have any other choice, if you understand what's going on, once you're fully informed. You wouldn't give information to your enemy who's using the information actively against you. That's what big tech's doing. Big tech uses your information against you, what you like, what you don't like. They use it to manipulate you. But they don't just do it through platforms like Facebook and Twitter, gathering your information. Who do you think is behind... The uh, Chrome browser, Google. Do you, so now you're using their browser to do all this shit. They're getting. They say it's so secure, but secure not from them. So stop using their browsers. And I'll tell you, like a lot of people like Firefox, and I understand. I kind of still, to some degree, use Firefox and Brave, both. And I'm going to stop using Firefox altogether. Mozilla came out and said, deplatforming's not good enough. Here's our plan to do even more to control people. Okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm done because it's an easy choice to just use Brave instead. It doesn't cost me anything more. It doesn't, I don't give anything up. And then, so the other browser you can use that I think is a great browser to look at is called Decenter. And Decenter is based on Brave, and it's made by the people that do Gab. I don't know a lot about it other than it's available, so I have links to both of those uh, in today's show notes. But I also want to speak to something else. Whenever I bring up Brave, you get these people that are like half-informed, and half-informed is dangerous. But Jack, don't you understand that Brave is just basically Chrome, or B Brave is built on Chrome software, blah, blah, blah. Okay, you don't understand, if you're saying that, how open-source software works. So Chromium is open source base code for building browsers. And then Google used that base code and built Chrome from Chromium. Brave used that base code and built Brave from Chromium. And that's why things like um, most Chrome extensions will work with Brave. But it doesn't mean that Google has any say or control over Brave at all. It's open source software. It would be like saying WordPress can shut down the survivalpodcast.com. I guess they could deny me updates of the software, but I would have it right to where it is right now. And unlike me, Brave isn't using Chromium the way that I'm using WordPress. And it would still be impossible for WordPress to shut me down. I don't rely on WordPress for anything. It's software I have sitting on my server that I control. But imagine I was building on WordPress. 
So I took their code, put it on my server, and then I started modifying it to make it do things I wanted it to do that it didn't do for them. They have no say on what I do with that. That's the whole point of open source. So don't be afraid of Brave because it's based on Chromium's underlying code. Okay? And when you talk to people, well, how do you know there's no worms in there? Whatever. Shut up. Just stop. Again, you don't understand how open source works. There are people in that world, all over the world, you know, consider them like good guy hacker types, that live to find anything like that, to point it out and be the one that said they did it. Any open source software that's being used on any level anywhere is the most audited software for shit like that that exists in the world. All right, next, the time to be heard is now. You need to start your own thing in some way, whether it's small and local, going back to old school print and using a freaking local newsletter if you want to. I, but do something, right? And I'm not saying everybody has to do this, but if you've, if you've been thinking, I need to do something, I need to speak out, I need to be heard, start making your own videos. It doesn't have to be some big empire like TSP is, right? There's only, so, you know, people only have so much time in the day, and not everybody's going to be a professional podcaster or videographer or whatever, but you can start videoing your backyard. You'd be surprised at how much you can teach people. And you think, man, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know the really advanced stuff like Jack is. Good, good, because sometimes I realize I'm talking so far ahead of people, it's hard for me to back up and catch them up to where we're at. The fact that people can watch and like learn how to do simple gardening things from you or simple handyman things or whatever it is, do something. Start, start documenting skills and knowledge and sharing them. And use platforms like Float. Use prop platforms like Odyssey. Cryptocurrency. I'm not going to talk a lot about it. I've done a lot on cryptocurrency lately. But I want to tell you that it is a good time to start learning about DEX exchanges or decentralized exchanges. I haven't said too much about this one. It was mentioned, and that's what sent me down the path of learning more about it. But it was mentioned by Draith uh, Kata from uh, Pirate Chain on the second show he did with me. He mentioned Polarity. He's like, those guys are great to work with. They're a good exchange to be on and all. So I, I went and set up an account on Polarity. I bought some R. I transferred it. Polarity is amazing. Now, I'm going to tell you, before I tell you how, why it's good and why you should check into it, the downside so far, and this is why I haven't said much, because I might be doing something wrong. It's a new platform for me, too, right? So I have the Polarity guys coming on in a couple weeks. They'll be on the show, and we'll dig into some of these questions like this. But my, my gut is, with certain cryptocurrencies that are kind of smaller-scale cryptocurrencies, since it's a, it's a decentralized exchange, There's less liquidity, meaning that like I, when I wanted to buy R, I ended up paying like two cents more than I would have paid for it on CoinEx. Which two cents, if you're buying friggin' $120 Litecoin and you buy Litecoin for $120.52 instead of $120.50, do you care? No, but when you're buying something for $0.22 cents versus $0.20, cents, significant, right? So And maybe I wasn't patient enough. Maybe it would take longer for the orders to execute. They also use Tether, USD, U.S. dollar stablecoin, as their reserve currency. But this is what makes them so amazing. First of all, if the, not, the government went and said, give us the, the, the customer records for Jack Spirico, they'd say, I don't know a Jack Spirico and I can't help you. And they literally don't. My name is nowhere near there. They're just not there. They don't need my real name. They don't need my phone number. They do need an email address, but it's any email address I want to use. 
ProtonMail. And um, for verification, for security, they just use two-factor authentication, which is basically install an app on your phone, and the app doesn't know what it's doing when it does it for you. It has no visibility back into the place that it's securing for you. Perfect. Here's where it gets really interesting. When you set up a Polarity Exchange account, you have an online, I, I, I guess I would call it, and I, I'm, I'm being careful with my words here because I'm, I'm giving you my understanding of it right now. And we'll talk to the Polarity guys in a couple of weeks and, and they'll clarify anything I get wrong. But it seems like it would be basically a cloud-based version of like a Jax or Coinami wallet. You have, you control your keys, your private key, and Polarity can't see them. You have a seed phrase, and Polarity doesn't know what it is. If you lose it, they can't help you, just like Jax. If they can tell you what it is, then they, then they control it, right? So you have this, and it, it handles every currency that's on their exchange. You have deposit and withdrawal addresses, and in some ways, it might be more secure than a lot of multi-currency light wallets, like a Jax or, or whatever, because the, the weakness with Jax or Coinami, you should have a password protected and all. But if you're walking around with it on your phone, and somebody gets a hold of your phone, right, then they have access to your wallet, where with this you would have to log in, and it's, it's a two-part login process with the two-factor authentication. It would be very difficult. I'm not saying impossible. It's very difficult for anybody to get into it And then they'd have to be able to use the two-factor authentication, not just to get in, but to also authorize any transfers out of it. It's, it's pretty damn secure, and it's completely different than what's typical of an exchange, right? Because with an exchange, the problem is you have a custodial wallet. In other words, you don't really have your Bitcoin if it's inside Bitcoin, uh, Coinbase or Binance or freaking Bitrix or whatever. Basically, all the money's in a giant pool, and you have access to a certain amount based on your customer record. And then you have that customer record. So the IRS or any government entity could go to them and subpoena your particular information or all information, which they haven't been able to get up till now anyway, or information on customers that meet a certain criteria. Where if you go to somebody like Polarity and you ask for that, can't help you, don't have it. And if you if you try to hack in and steal, because this is the hacks that have happened to cryptocurrency. They don't hack Bitcoin. That's a stupid thing to say. They don't hack an individual's wallet. They hack the exchange itself, and they attack the pool of money. Because it's been pooled into this place to create liquidity. So Polarity completely gets around that. Again, it's like having a wallet that you can do exchanges from. And it's really, really cool. But we need to be learning about DEX exchanges and DeFi and stuff like that. We're going to be bringing you more on that this year. Because this allows the fungibility of one currency into another, and to do so with privacy and security both. And remember, privacy and security aren't the same thing. Next, we need to be using text and tech and social media, yes, but we need to do it to build offline community and organizations. Social media should be like the bar. You meet people at the bar. You form relationships at the bar. And then some percentage of them, they become people you go do things with, you go fishing with. I'll leave it at that. Next, here's some things I see coming soon, 
and, and really most of them are already on the way. Number one is new devices, phones, etc. So apparently, I don't know if this is true or not. It looks like it's true. Gab, social media network Gab, is going to come out with their own phone that runs like an independent OS. Good. We need that. I mean, really. Sure. My concern is our carrier is going to be the next people to get in on this. Carriers and ISPs. Now, there's ways around that that I won't get into today. We'll learn about them if we need to. But there are ways that you can access things without doing it the way that you conventionally do WWW style. Um, but I think that's a great start. I, I think we're going to actually have devices that run completely independent software. And I know, yes, Linux, yes, Unix, I understand that. But there's a technical requirement there. The reason people use Windows and Mac OS is you buy your computer, it comes with it, you turn it on, and it just works. You don't have to learn anything. And we are going to have to start learning some new things. That's always uncomfortable. But if you really want mass adoption, or even just mass adoption, 1% adoption right, of, of something, you need to make it where it works like that. You turn it on and it just works. And I think we're going to see new devices that are completely cutting the cord from big tech. The Gab phone may be one of the first of many. Next up, I've talked about VPNs. But what's coming next is what's known as a DVPN. A DVPN, Decentralized Virtual Private Networks. And the first company that I found doing this that has a deployed solution that works, but I'm not saying go buy their freaking cryptocurrency. For the love of God, I'm not saying that. All right? Maybe you should. I don't know. It's incredibly cheap right now. It's under, it's well, it's like a fraction of a cent per share. But it's called Sentinel. And what I, what I would really suggest is... Go, I know that a lot of you guys are not technical at all, and you're like, oh, Lord God, a white paper. But read their white paper, even if you just kind of skim it. Again, I'm not saying to invest in it. I have not invested a penny in it. Please understand that. I, I hate when people think because I mentioned something they should go buy it. Um, but I like where they're going. There are other companies trying to do it too, and who knows who's going to do it right. But the basic premise would be that Anybody running a node, so if you are running a, a node wallet, a full wallet for Bitcoin, for instance, and mining Bitcoin, you're, you're not just mining, you're operating, you're, you're providing a node on the network, right? That's why it's decentralized, because every single person can participate in it. If you, are, are, if you have a pirate chain wallet and you're running Ocean, the full node wallet, you're providing a node which improves the performance on the whole blockchain. With DVPNs, your node would become an access point on that network, providing an IP address that's specific to your area. And then you get paid to be a node that people use on that VPN. And when you want to use the VPN, you look inside the Sentinel wallet, and it, you say, I want, to, I want to use your VPN. And it says, here is a list of available... IPs right now, and here's how much they charge per gigabit of throughput in Sentinel. And you pay. And then that person running that node, providing that service, gets that. There's also another side that's called validators. And I know you're thinking, how can this be secure? Doesn't that mean that node can see what you're... No, it doesn't. And I can't get into the technology behind why today. And again, with it being open source, all this stuff's like on GitHub, all this stuff people... People 
live to find someone screwing someone, and this stuff gets ripped apart. And the more successful it becomes, the harder it gets ripped apart. And that's why I have more confidence in it than I do in Google. It's not that I have 100%. I have more than I do in Google, more than I do in Microsoft, right? I know those guys are trying to screw me on purpose. They say so. So DVPNs, I think, are going to be a huge part of our future. I just don't know who's going to win that yet. But what that's going to do is let you have a complete private connection because can you trust your VPN company? This is why I suggested you read the Sentinel white paper. They give documentation of several instances of VPN companies that had to disclose, because if you're a public company, you have to disclose when something like this happens, who had been hacked. And when they got hacked, customer information, like browsing habits, etc., location information, was stolen. And again, you've got to report that because, like, if you're a publicly traded company and that happens and you don't report that and you don't disclose that, you're looking at, like, some of your people going to Club Fed. Basically, public corporations can do a lot of things that are illegal as long as they admit they did them and say it was an accident. But when they hide them... Right? That's when people go to Club Fed. So they've had to disclose this. Well, wait a minute. How did you have a breach of customer information? The only way you'd have that is if you were storing it in the first place. So by having a distributed VPN, you eliminate that centralization of the service, and therefore you don't have any place for that data to be saved. And exactly how that's going to work with DVPNs, we don't know yet. But it's definitely worth looking into. And another thing that I feel is really coming is the virtual nation concept. I really think that in the future, decentralized social media will organize itself into families that organize into tribes that organize into nations. And I think it will be completely unstoppable. And I, I think the reason it's unstoppable is a natural thing for humans to do. And it is the only way I see to have a truly voluntary society where many of the things that we do that are regulated are not regulated because we're actually protecting one individual from another. We're protecting individuals from themselves. So how much protection do you feel you need from yourself? How much protection do you need from me? Like, some people literally want me censored because they don't feel strong enough to not listen to me, or they're worried that somebody else may not be strong enough to not listen to me that shouldn't be listening to me. That's a huge. We have more regulations like that than we do that say, I can't break into your house and steal your shit. We have far more regulations like that. And the reality is, I think if you want to be wrapped in bubble wrap, then you have every right to be wrapped in bubble wrap. You have a right to be as censored and controlled as you wish to be. And if you only want to deal with other people who want to be wrapped in bubble wrap too, I think you have every right to do that. And I think virtual nations are how you get there. The bubble wrap people are over here. The people that are willing to get scraped and scuffed up a little bit, we're over here. And if I need to do business with somebody in the bubble wrap world, I'll go do that business for a time in their bubble wrap world, but I'm going to spend most of my time over here where we get scuffs and scrapes and we, we just get up and dust ourselves off and go on with our life. And if they feel that they need something we have, it's like, it's like tourism. It's like, it's like, you know, 
economic tourism. I don't really, I don't really like the way that they do business as a whole in Sweden. But I like the fact that I can go to Sweden and not wear a mask during the COVID pandemic. So somebody might have gone to Sweden and stayed there, and, and they might still be there. But as soon as this shit ends in their country, if it ends, they might go home. Think of it like that. That's what virtual nations enable. And I won't go deep into virtual nations, but I've been talking about them since 2014. And before anybody says I'm not, there's a link in the show notes of the first dedicated show I did of virtual nations in the show notes today. Um, now, I want to talk about a little bit about the elephant in the room. I've been asked about both of these. Jack, what are you going to do now? Google and Amazon clearly were part of this. This is a complete assault on freedom. You sell through Amazon and you put content on YouTube, which is Google. What are you going to do? My answer is I'm not exactly sure yet. Specifically with Amazon, it has become a key component of my revenue. And I, I flat out cannot afford to just say, screw Amazon and take out my Amazon content right now. Or to say, don't shop at T-Spaz anymore. I, I can't do that. It, 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 I, I really can't. It's, it's a major portion of my income. Major. It would be like you deciding since, I don't know, let's say the president of the company you work for um, made a tweet that, pr pr that, that supported what happened and said, yeah, they should censor more of this, and then you just go quit your job. You may or may not be in a position where you can do that. And that's where I am with Amazon. I'll say more about that in a second. YouTube. YouTube would be easier. YouTube makes me somewhere between $500 and $1,000 a month. I'll give that up if necessary. I'm moving away from that platform anyway. And I primarily see YouTube right now is the easiest way to get my new content on Odyssey. I'm also putting tons of content on Odyssey that's not on YouTube already. So I don't know. I'm kicking around some different things that would make that more phase over. One would be I'm thinking about, you know, I do Miyagi mornings every morning right now. And I'm thinking maybe no more Miyagi mornings on YouTube. That would, all, that would actually cost me quite a bit of money, just so you know. I'm, I am willing to put my money where my mouth is, but I have to do it smartly. And I think many of you do too. And I'll, I'll give you an analogy here to something I said in the past about those of you still using Facebook for Marketplace. That I like, I put that out as like the grace I have for others to understand them, and I hope that it comes the other way back. So that's that's the YouTube one. Amazon, like I said, is a little more complex. What I was already working on, and then I got working on some other things, is expanding TSPAS to where when you go to tspaz.com, it's not right now. It's mostly just Amazon reviews. But I'm looking at, you know, what other companies can buy an affiliate for. But the, the problem is, I don't necessarily think any of them that would qualify to replace Amazon fully or even partly are completely not guilty in this. They're just maybe not as active a participant. So, like, two companies I know that I can set up as an affiliate with that would give me a very broad breadth of product that I could offer for the very tiny commission that Amazon does is about the same amount is Walmart and Target. I don't exactly think either one of those are our best friends either. So my approach going forward with Amazon, there won't be an item of the day today. There may be tomorrow. I don't know that I'll push it as hard, but I'm going to say that many of you are still going to use Amazon. I know that. If you are still going to use Amazon, please use TSPAS. If 
you need something and you're going to use Amazon, you can trust my reviews because they are all products I own, etc. And I will try to phase more and more away from it as I can. And again, I hope that there's some grace and understanding of that. And then I'll say this. If you email me and say, well, that's fine, whatever, but I'll never use Amazon again, I totally respect you making that decision. And I'm telling you that my income is going to take a hit starting today and going forward on Amazon. Not that it hasn't already, because these assholes have cut commissions and cut commissions and cut commissions. And they had already cut the commissions the last time they did it to the point where, like, I had already started looking for other things because if they cut the commission again, I can't afford to do it anymore. It's not going to be worth my time. It's barely worth doing now. But it is. And it's like they, they I don't, you know, say what you want about them, but they have smart people that run it. And it's like they did the math. They got the accountants and said, how far can we push these affiliates, the ones that actually sell a lot of shit, to where they won't leave? And they figured out exactly. Because like, when I did the math, I was like, man, if they went one point lower, I'd just quit. And it's like they knew it. So I don't, I don't love Amazon. I certainly have no love for Jeff Bezos. But again, I just hope that you guys can understand. You're asking if you want me to just quit referring people to Amazon You just you decide whether you go to Amazon or not. And those of you that will be mad at me for this, you're gonna you're either not gonna use Amazon, and then you don't have to worry about it, right? Then it doesn't affect you because you've done your part. Or you want me to stop doing this, but you're still gonna use Amazon. That I I respect. I'm gonna use them. I don't like them, but you know they have a good price and the best product. And you know until I figure out what I'm gonna do next, I'm gonna keep using them. I respect that. I'm never gonna use them again. I respect that. I, I'm going to use them, but you shouldn't. That I have really no respect for. How could how could you? So hopefully people understand me there. I also want to say at the end here that I think that right now, this is the best opportunity for freedom and liberty we've ever had. They have overplayed their hand so far. There's nothing like overconfidence to make a person overplay their hand and really make a mistake. And I think we have an opportunity now. Like I said, some people are not at the point where you hand them the blue pill and the red pill and say, which one do you want? But a lot of people are. They haven't taken the pill yet. They haven't actually been presented with the choice yet. They haven't been willing to make the choice yet. They haven't swallowed one to go back to sleep or one to wake up. And I think that This is the conversation I would have with people like that. Not everybody, but people like that. People that are open, people that are in, that in the least bit think what happened is not right. With Parler and with silencing the Joe Biden stories. Here's another example. You know who got the, their entire account deleted today from Twitter? Ron Paul. Ron Paul had never had a warning or a suspension on Twitter. He hasn't even used the damn thing for almost ever. Like I checked his Twitter account a, a, a few months ago. And he didn't have a tweet on there for years. But they deleted his entire account. Like, that's wrong. And there's so many examples that it's not necessarily what I say or you say, but there's so many examples that people look at and go, yeah, that's, that's wrong. They know something's wrong. And what I would, here's my conversation. Do you think what happened was okay? And if they're like, well, I don't know, really know what you're talking about, then explain one of them. Explain what happened to Parler. Here's, there was this company, they were a lot like Twitter. People that got banned on Twitter and people that just got tired of Twitter censorship went over there. They did their own thing. They weren't bothering anybody. And these 
four big companies got together and destroyed them in a weekend because they didn't like the freedom of speech that they allow. Do you think that's okay? Shut up. Let them talk. And if they have any questions, answer them as briefly as possible and continue to give them enough information so they understand the full thing that happened. And again, it could be it could be doctors being silenced. It could be anything that's happened over all this shit. And then once they've told you what they don't like about it, ask them what you think should be done about it. Well, what do you what do you think we should do? What do you think should be done about it? How how can we fix this? Shut up. When you ask somebody a question and you're leading them someplace, you ask the question and you shut up and let them talk. And as long as they're talking, keep your mouth shut. Don't don't break in with but or hey, did you know? Let him talk. Wait till they stop, then respond. Because this is what you're going to get. A whole bunch of shit that's state-based solutions. They're going to tell you, well, there should be a law. Maybe we can do this. This is any, whatever, right? Let them talk till they run out of ideas. And that's when you say, well, you know, maybe before you move on, do you think that's going to happen anytime soon? And if they're an intelligent thinking individual, they're probably going to say no because they know in their heart They're in the bargaining stage of the five stages of grief because you're asking the people who caused the problem to fix it, and that never works out. So you, you make sure that that has been done. And then you say, well, there are some solutions that you could use right now. You know, you don't have to use these platforms. Here's other platforms that you can use. Here's other resources. It's not just me. Like, you know, here's other educators. Here's a video you can watch to learn more about this. Here's what's going on with the Great Reset. Here's the greater reset that John Bush and Derek Rose are behind. I'm speaking at that, by the way, right? You know, maybe invite somebody to maybe not the whole thing, but one of the sessions. Maybe pick one video on Odyssey, not YouTube, that teaches people how to do a thing that is a solution to this. But one way or another, explain we have solutions that we can use right now without waiting for other people to act. And then listen and answer any questions they have about, well, how can you help me? Yes, I'll help you. Can you give me an example? Here's one here. But don't do this like you're trying to convert somebody to Jesus and get them to say the prayer with you at the end of the conversation. Once you've opened the discussion and you've helped with whatever additional information they want, even if it seems like it didn't go well, shut up. The seed has been planted. Move on. If you go outside today and you do a little guerrilla gardening because you're walking around town and you take some seeds with you and you see a nice little place that looks like, hey, you know, I bet if I planted some beans there, they'd grow up that tree in that park and maybe somebody would get some food out of it. Maybe they would start reproducing themselves. Who knows? So you put some seeds in the ground. You don't sit there and go, grow! You don't like put those seeds in the ground and come back like five minutes later and look and go, it didn't work. You put them in the ground, you walk away. And if you only do that one place, odds are they're not going to grow. They're going to get weed whacked. They're going to get sprayed. They're going to get stepped on. They're going to shit on by a dog. Something's going to happen to them. But if you plant hundreds of thousands of seeds over time, thousands of them will grow and create new growth and inspire other people. That's this conversation. Plant dozens of seeds. One or two take hold. You've done your part. You've done more than most people ever will. My final thoughts on this are basically that conversation with you. 
We can either sit around and wait for somebody to fix it. We can all mainline, you know, free base hopium and Icantium. Or we can say, I can do these things and I will do these things and I won't wait on anybody else to do them. That's where I'm at, guys. That's where I'm at. And I, I believe that this is the greatest opportunity we've ever had for freedom. Because most people don't realize the boot is on their throat until the guy with the boot starts to put his weight down. And it's coming down. And people understand what's happening right now. They really do. More so than any time. People that told me I was crazy this year, not like 10 years ago. Shit, there was, most people told me I was crazy 10 years ago. People that told me I was crazy three months ago are texting me and emailing me and go, holy shit, you're right. It really is happening exactly like you said it would. That's when people are willing to do something. But you have to be careful. You have to get motivated now to do these things now, to take the little steps, right? I don't like the term baby step because I think any step in the right direction is massive, right? But if you want to think of them as baby steps, fine. So maybe you don't do all this shit, but you know what you say? You know what? I'm at least going to get a crypto wallet if I don't have it already. Go set up an account on Polarity. Don't even use it. Just set it up so you can see what I'm talking about. So you understand how it works. Then you'll have a wallet. You can put money in it if you ever need to. Just say it. Get on float if the damn thing's back up by the time this goes live today. Install the Brave browser. And I'm not saying do those three things. Do one of them. Get on Odyssey. Please use my link from the show notes today or from any of my things on the site so I get credit for you as a new user on Odyssey. I get a referral fee. I have a deal with those guys, right? But get on Odyssey. You know what? And just for watching videos and stuff, they'll give you a little bit of cryptocurrency. Just for sharing it. You can actually share it with other people and get referrals from that. There's a limit on how many if you don't have a direct deal, but you could do that. Get some LBC coin. Start transacting with creators and saying, hey, I appreciate what you did. Here's one LBC coin. Here's a, here's a whopping seven cents or whatever it's worth today. Start just empower yourself with it. But I'm saying pick something, not do all of it at once. Because if you don't start walking now, you're gonna ha what's going to happen to you is what happened to everybody in this COVID thing that you can't understand. They put the mask on and they stayed home 14 days to flatten the curve. And now here we are almost a year later and they accept it as the quote-unquote new normal. Because no matter how outraged a person is initially, if they accept it for long enough, they adapt to it. And once they adapt to it, they conform to it. If you have outrage over this, the time to act is now. And remember, like I said, there's no baby steps. Every step in the right direction is an enormous step. There's baby steps backwards, and there's baby steps to encroach upon you. That's, that's the mantra of the oligarchs. That's the mantra of the state. That's the mantra of the technocrats. They take those little baby steps, a little at a time, a little at a time, till you conform, you conform, you conform, you conform, conform, and you're trapped. But when you take one step in the other direction and say, I'm not, I'm not participating, it's an enormous step. On that, our song of the day, we're starting Highwayman Week, right? The Highwayman Country Music Supergroup. And this song is called The Highwaymen. Highwaymen did The Highwaymen, right? What this song is really about is it's kind of written from an outlaw perspective, and it's all people who were eventually cut down, shot down, hung, one way or another. 
But their overriding theme through it is, and I'm still around. Basically, I'm immortal because I'm a legend. We live in a world today where it's easier to become a legend than it's ever been in history because your legend is really your legacy and what you leave behind. And it doesn't matter how many value what you did and what you had to say. It just matters that some do. And that when you're gone, what you said will be there forever. Your great-grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren will be able to one day look up Bill Smith and see what you thought about the world in 2020. That has never happened before. Scant things have been left behind. If you have a letter written about the time that they grew up in from your great-grandfather, you are among very few people and you are very fortunate. And understand... When these companies are attacking your right to say what you think, that's what they're attacking. They're not just preventing you from telling your neighbor how you feel today. They're preventing you from telling your great-great-grandchild how you felt 150 years ago. You want to still be around? Put it somewhere where it can't be taken down. With that, it's been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. I was a highwayman Along the coach roads I did ride With sword and pistol by my side Many a young maid lost her baubles to my trade Many a soldier shed his lifeblood on my blade The masters hung me in the spring of 25 but I am still alive I was a sailor I was born upon the tide With the sea I did abide I sailed a schooner around the Horn of Mexico I went aloft to pull the mainsail in a blow and when the yards broke off, they said that I got killed But I'm living still I was a dam builder Across the river deep and wide Where steel and water did collide A place called Boulder on the wild Colorado I slipped and fell into the wet concrete below They buried me in that great tomb that knows no sound But I'm still around I'll always be around Around and around and around Fly a starship across the universe divide, and when I reach the other side, I'll find a place to rest my spirit if I can. Perhaps I may become a highwayman again, or I may simply be a single drop of rain. But I will remain. 
I'll be back again and again and again.